asking ourselves uh, here over these past few weeks is, uh, will you respond to God's call? As we have noted all through, we have uh, certainly talked about the importance of listening, and then in that listening with faith, uh, responding to the very things that, uh, that God is uh, asking us to do. So we, uh, we consider those things today as we continue this uh, sermon series on storylines. About that, I have this to say, um, I, I did not serve in the military. And as you know, in the military, uh, people uh, give and receive orders. So I didn't really serve in the, the military, but I am extremely uh, thankful for those who have. And we uh, owe them uh, all a, a, a debt of gratitude. Those in the military do uh, take orders. Uh, it comes with the territory of just being uh, in the armed forces. The very effectiveness of an army is predicated on subordinates following those orders that are given to them. I love the story of, uh, of uh, the centurion who, who sought the, the help of, of Jesus in, in healing his beloved servant. You can find that account in uh, Luke uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, and Matthew 8, uh, verses 5 through 13. You may want to uh, look at that encounter of Christ and the centurion. A centurion was a, a Roman soldier who had the responsibility over 100 men, hence the name centurion. A centurion held a very important place in the ranks of the Roman legion. Centurions both received orders, they also gave orders. By so doing, they helped things move along in the same direction. Giving and receiving orders are simply a way of life for a centurion, just the way things were. The centurion that sought out Jesus' help in Luke 7 and in Matthew 8 knew the value of following orders. Matthew has it that the centurion approached Jesus saying these things, just, as the, just say the word and my, uh, my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man of, who is under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell you, this one uh, go, and he goes. That one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. See how the centurion was used to receiving orders, also used to, to giving orders, and expecting those around him to, um, to, to acquiesce and to follow those orders. The centurion knew that Jesus was the same way. In a word, the centurion recognized Christ's authority. He knew that, that all that Christ needed to do in healing his servant was say the word, and it would be done. Jesus marveled at that kind of faith. You hear Jesus respond to, to what the centurion said, I, I tell you the truth, I have not found in Israel anyone with such faith as this. As we know from Scripture, the, the centurion's servant was healed that day. All Jesus needed to do was say the word. The centurion put his 
faith in the authority of Jesus to make things different. And that same sort of thing is available to you and me. That is, if we uh, place our faith in Christ. As we place our faith in Christ, He is able to do wonderful things. He is able to make things different. This morning we read uh, about another centurion, one who also had a great deal of faith. This centurion also knew what it meant to give and receive orders. He knew what it meant to leave himself open to the authority of God. He was ready, able, and willing to do God's bidding, and to do that at at every turn. This morning we read about Cornelius, the centurion, and how on account of his obedience, not only was his life changed, but the very focus of the church was changed moving forward. So let's read today the account of Cornelius and his household, for that matter. We read from uh, Acts 10, verses 1 through 8. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need. He prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? The angel answered, your, uh, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. God's word for God's people. As I've already stated, Cornelius knew what it meant to follow orders. That sort of thing not only played out in his life as a soldier, but in his life spiritually as as well. Cornelius was deeply devoted to God. Cornelius's every desire was to, to follow him. Cornelius dedicated himself regularly to prayer. Cornelius regularly gave to the poor. In a word, Cornelius was a a good man. The Scripture reports that that Cornelius was God-fearing. Now, let's unpack that just a little bit. A a God-fearer was one who followed the Jewish faith but was not born a Jew. A God-fearer believed in God and respected the the moral and ethical teachings of the Jews without being Jewish by blood. As a God-fearer, Cornelius continually left himself open to God's direction. And because of that, God was honored and Cornelius was blessed. 
God was honored by his faith and willingness to, to, to always give his life toward God. Cornelius in that was then, uh, was then very much blessed. Cornelius' prayers, his gifts to the poor, did not go unnoticed. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that in just a second. But for right now, let's remember this, that great things happen when we leave ourselves open to the movement of God. Great things happen when we leave ourselves open to the movement of God. And if we were to uh, unearth a, a thesis statement for this in, in entire um, sermon series, it would, it would be the statement that we, we just heard. Leaving ourselves open to the movement of God, and in doing that, great things, great things take place. Let's see how that played out for Cornelius. Like others of the Jewish faith, Cornelius paused to, to pray at three in the afternoon. That sort of thing went on regularly for those who were devout Jews. And Cornelius uh, found himself in that, that very flow of devotion every afternoon, offering himself up uh, to God in prayer. So I'll ask this question. How's that sort of thing playing out for you? Now, it doesn't have to be at three in the afternoon, but how's the, 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 the thing of, of praying on a regular basis at a regular time working out for you in, in your life? It could be early in the morning. It could be late at night. It could be any time during the day. But are you setting aside time to regularly pray to God? Do you set aside that time? Cornelius did. And it bore great fruit for his life. For, for Cornelius, it was uh, one of those regular afternoon prayer times that an angel of the Lord appeared to Cornelius. That angel called him by name. And upon hearing his name called, Cornelius immediately responded. And he asked this question, what is it, Lord? Which is another way of, of saying, what is it you want me to do? How can I help? You just go ahead and say it and consider it done. That's the sort of response that Cornelius had. He was, he was used to doing that as a soldier. And as we said earlier, uh, he, he found himself always with that disposition when it came to his life spiritually. It was also here that, uh, that Cornelius was commended for his devotion. You know, he, uh, he, had, he had set him at the place of regularly praying, and he was also regularly giving in support of the poor. He had that sort of, that sort of uh, important rhythm of, of always dedicating, dedicating himself to the very things that God wanted him to do. Cornelius was not only a good soldier, but he was a faithful follower as well. Cornelius was ready to trust and obey. And as the old song goes, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Cornelius would trust and obey even though he, at the time, may not have fully understood the very things that he was doing. 
I think there's a direct correlation at play here. There's a direct correlation between seeking God above all else, just like Cornelius did, and being blessed with a call from God. Now, we do well to just sort of hover over that just a bit of, of, of the regular practice of dedicating ourselves to God, of seeking God above all else, and then understanding the, the deep and abiding blessing of a call of God upon our lives. I can't stress enough the importance of leaving ourselves open to God and then letting God do His thing in us as He leans into our lives. Down through the years, I have counseled a a number of people who came to me offering uh, this notion that they were were sensing a, a call of God upon their lives. And almost with every person, I would, I would say to them, keep your eyes and ears open to the things that God is doing in your midst. Keep your, your eyes and ears open to, to, to receive, to, to hear, if you will, what God is speaking into your life. In other words, leave yourself open to the thing that God is trying to do with you. As you know, during this uh, present sermon series, we've been hearing from people who have kept their eyes and ears open to God's movement in their life. Today, we hear from uh, Michael Bell. I know for a fact that, that Michael has stayed at it when it comes to being connected to God. Interestingly, that, that great uh, interplay, that correlation between remaining open to God and hearing a call from God. Michael has left himself open to what God has in store for his life. And most recently, Michael has responded to God's call by, by taking a position with, uh, with Gold Ministries. So let's, uh, let's welcome, if you will, Michael Bell as he shares uh, a word about what God is doing in his life. Michael, come. So before I start, I'm going to jump off script for just a second. So between services, I was doing one of my devotions. If any of you follow version, today's scripture is very appropriate. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Proverbs 19.21. So, so good morning. My name is Michael Belt. I'd like to share my story of how I transitioned from years and years in corporate America to now working in the ministry, go ministry in fact. After leaving the military, I worked in various roles for young brands for 19 years. Throughout much of that time, I truly believed that my workplace was my mission field. As some of you know, we moved away from Goshen and St. John about eight years ago to move to St. Louis to work for me to work for Panera Bread. I truly felt led by the Holy Spirit to go to St. Louis And it always troubled me because I never really quite knew why. And I wrestled with that quite a bit. And then finally, a good friend said, you know, Michael, maybe you were just supposed to be obedient. I could could hang my hat on that because I didn't have a better answer. so, So that was comforting for me. Later on, we then moved to Kansas City. I wasn't called there, not even sure I thought to pray about it. 
It just happened to be where I found employment, which turned out to be my dream job. I was in charge of H&R Block's military business strategy around the world. I loved it. Unfortunately, it was short-lived, as there was a massive layoff at the end of the next tax year, and I was part of that. I was starting to begin to feel a nudge, a bit of giving back or making a difference. I was hearing, but I wasn't really listening very well. So part of my outplacement, I had a coach after H&R Block who recommended I read Bob Buford's book, Halftime. Then we have a slide there for you. Um, this book was significant to me because it put into words a lot of the things that were going around in my head and in my heart. To quote Bob, and one of the things he said is, I had a smoldering discontent inside me doing what I have been doing. Is that you? I knew the Lord had greater purposes for my talents, skills, and expertise, and I was attempting to listen somewhat. I began researching nonprofits, enjoying goodwill to be in charge of their retail operations. Mind you, I, I didn't collaborate with God on this one either. I just thought it was a good idea. It was not a good experience at all. In fact, it was a terrible experience. It was the worst job of my life. I was recruited by a friend of mine from Panera who's now the CIO at Little Caesars in Detroit, and she asked me to come work for her. I couldn't run away from Goodwill fast enough. Again, this was all St. Michael's doing. I didn't consult the Almighty. As my time at Little Caesars was coming to an end, it took Diane and I about five minutes to decide it was time to come back to Oldham County. This was clearly led by the Holy Spirit. We definitely had that feeling. I told Diane that I would either find a job in Louisville or work out of Louisville. You know, it was still the pandemic, so I didn't know where I was going to land. During this time, though, I revisited this book, Bob Buford's book, and I did so with a vengeance. In fact, I was adamant about not talking to anybody about any prospects until I reread this book and I prayed. And that was hard when you got people knocking on your door all the time, saying, what about this, what about this? For those playing along at home or here, I prayed and listened when I left Louisville to go to St. Louis, and I prayed and listened when I got back to Louisville. In between, chalk it up to St. Michael being a slow learner. The key takeaway from rereading this book again was it really is significance over salary. It's really fruit over fortune and moving from career to contribution. This was no nudge. It wasn't quite a two-handed shove that Don talked about a couple weeks ago, but it was somewhere in between. I'm a bit of an analytical guy, so I created a personal profile of my spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, passion, and experience. This is also known as shape. Robbie Pateau rolled out a program years ago that I hadn't quite completed, but I knew about it, and this seemed to fit. It included gifts of the spirit inventory, resume, passions, and other self-awareness inventories. This self-analysis helped me get my arms around what I wanted to be when I grew up in God's kingdom. I began creating a networking list for job hunting, and the first name on that list was Will Parton. Some of you may know that 15 years ago, I began taking mission trips from St. John down to DR, and I loved every minute of it. And this was supporting Go and Will and Audrey. After 14 years on the island, Will's now back in Louisville, and he's the vice president of Go Ministries. So I called him up. 
Uh, we spoke multiple times about what I was looking for, and it was clear it wasn't what I was looking for, it was what God was looking for. And uh, I think even it didn't even matter what Will was looking for. I had an interview with Will and the president and the COO, and it still touches me. The only question the COO ever asked about my resume was, really wasn't a question, it was a statement. He said, it looks like you've been looking for something. I'd say that's the understatement of the last 10 years of my life. Proverbs 16.9 states, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Go Ministries has four primary ministries in the Dominican Republic with initiatives underway to go into other countries. They have Go Kids, which some of you sponsor kids today at the Christian school down in Santiago. They have a permanent clinic now that serves 700 patients a month, dental, doctor, medicine, and follow-up. 700 sports, 700 sports, 700 athletes participate in Go Sports almost on a daily basis. The facilities are filled. And church planning, where over 100 communities around the island are building discipleship small groups. Currently, sponsorships are only available for Go Kids. But the role that they wanted me to do was to create a program to open sponsorships for all four ministries. Well, and, and, and really, sponsorships is not the right word. It really is about disciple making. That is, entering into relationships to help people trust and follow Jesus. That's both for the giver and the receiver. This is reflected, well, at GO, we call this mutual transformation. And this is really reflected in GO's mission to redeem, renew, and restore. Now, what Will told me was he wanted me to put this together and go market it. What I heard was, I want you to be a salesman. I've never been a salesman. I don't know how to be a salesman. I didn't think I liked the idea of being a salesman. <laughs> However, the next day I went for a run and all that I had in my head was, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. It didn't matter what I tried to think about, which direction I ran, that's all that was in my head. I'd say you could call that a two-handed push. So, I called Will up when I got back from my run and said, I'm all in. I'm sure I didn't take the path that God had for me, but I'm confident I am where he wants me to be today. I can't change the mistakes I made meandering through my own wilderness, but I can learn from them and help others as well. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your action to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Perhaps your work is your mission field. Perhaps you have the same nudge I did or even a two-handed shove by the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it's time to listen and not just hear. We don't have to all go to other countries or even other professions, but we are all called to be obedient where we are with the truth that we know. That is truth with a capital T. Thank you. Michael, thank you. And so we hear firsthand of uh, a response to call, a call that uh, is born out of uh, a deep devotion to Christ. And in that deep divorce, devotion, God is able to, to speak and to lead and to guide and, and to bring about his good purposes for his kingdom. 
that sort of thing is, uh, is at work in each of our lives as we uh, leave ourselves open to God's call. So let's continue for just a couple of minutes the storyline of uh, Cornelius uh, and his life, Cornelius and even his household, and even the early New Testament church. As you know, during this present sermon series, we've been uh, talking about how God's movement has been, uh, been, been worked through some of these personalities and, and how uh, as they've laid themselves open to God's call, great things have taken place. As we've already said, uh, Cornelius was quick to listen to what God had in store for him. His storyline is this. There was an angel that uh, appeared to him while he was praying and told him to send uh, the two servants and the one soldier to Joppa to the house of Simon the Tanner. That was the place where Peter was staying. The three were instructed to then uh, bring Peter back to Cornelius. There were a lot of blanks to fill in, but, but all these folk, including Cornelius, was very much contented to just uh, to go with the flow, to let God lead. Well, the next day, while the two servants and the one soldier were on their way to Joppa, and it was probably a half or a little bit more of a day's journey, Peter had a vision. Now, this vision was of a, of a sheet, if you will, uh, come, coming out of heaven. And in that sheet, as it descended from heaven, it became apparent that, that it was filled with all sorts of animals that in the eyes of a, of a good Jew were absolutely taboo. They were considered unclean. Peter was instructed to, to eat them. Rather than say immediately, yes, much like Cornelius did, Peter equivocated, surely not, I've never eaten anything unclean. Well, eventually that, that same vision uh, repeated itself three times in, in, in total. And Peter finally got the message. And the message is this, don't, don't call anything impure that God has called clean. Now, that certainly had everything to do with what food he was to, to eat, but, but it also struck much deeper as it related to the outreach of the church. Don't uh, call anything um, impure that God has called clean. It was then that the, the, the two servants and the one soldier arrived uh, at the door to take Peter to Cornelius. Just as that vision was, was coming to, to a conclusion, it was then that the, the three visitors came, knocked on the door, requested that, that Peter would come with them. It was also then that, that Peter became convinced that God was on the move, that God was doing something. Peter went with them. And upon meeting Cornelius and his household, all those that had gathered in his house, Peter preached a clear and con concise sermon about the, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Cornelius and his household were saved that day. 
Not only were they saved, but, but Peter was won over to the fact that the good news about Jesus was, was not but for Gentiles alike. All this is contained in, in Acts chapter 10. And I've always understood and, and have considered that Acts 10 marks an, an important watershed moment for the life of the early New Testament church because of God's good work in Peter's life made possible by the deep devotion and obedience of Cornelius, the great commission of going into all the world and making disciples began to, to, to happen in earnest, began to have real traction, that now the church would see that, that God had claimed all the world as having the opportunity to be pure in Christ, to be one to Jesus, all because of the devotion of a centurion named Cornelius, willing to follow orders, even the call of God upon his life, Peter responding, and the church began to turn, if not be revolutionized in its uh, focus upon all the world. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that everybody was listening. I'm thankful that, that Cornelius was listening. I'm thankful that there was this deep correlation between his devotion, his willingness to, to pray every day, even at a specific time, his, his willingness to give liberally to those uh, who were poor, his devotion to God. I'm, I'm thankful that because of those things that he was able to listen, and in listening, able to respond. I'm thankful that Peter was listening and that he was willing to, to, to grapple with that vision that really sort of upset the apple cart, if you will, in regard to, to, to what he was thinking, how he would live out his own spiritual life, but, but to whom he would now go and share the good news. I'm glad everybody was listening. And I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to listen today, right now, right here, that we're able to listen, to hear God speaking into our lives, and to hear what He wants us to do, how He wants us to respond, how He wants us to be involved beyond where we are now and, and move beyond to those that so desperately need to hear the good news of Christ. Great things happen when we listen and leave ourselves open to the movement of God. Listening, openness, responding to the movement of God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you seek to speak into our lives. We pray that we are a fertile soil to where we are able to receive uh, the seed of what you're 
wanting to plant in us. Lord, uh, put us at the right place, the right position, the, the right place to, to hear and to respond. May we look forward with great anticipation to the wonderful things that you, uh, you have uh, in store for, for each of us and even for our church. We do lay ourselves in your care. We entrust ourselves to your leadership. We pray for your, uh, for your deep and abiding blessings. May we seek you, Lord. May our eyes and ears be attuned and alert to the very things that you long to do in our lives. And again, in the life of this church. So, Lord, we pray that you, uh, the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to listen. And in listening, we pray that we respond. This prayer we make in the name of Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.